You are listening to the FCF Leadership Podcast. This podcast has been created to help you connect and achieve your destiny as a leader. For more information, visit our website at fcf.org. So you and Kathy did everything you knew to do to try to restore the marriage. And there were just things that couldn't be overcome. Yeah. You know what it was, was we got about just over a year into, you know, we were going to counseling every week. Uh, We were still living together. I lived upstairs. She lived downstairs, but we were having meals together. Mm -hmm. You know, we were trying to date and reestablish, you know, some kind of love again. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I I would say this, some kind of romantic love again. Right. So we still loved each other. Right. But a romantic husband and wife love again. And of course, uh, I had to do, you know, she went to rehab for a week with me. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I had to do what they call full disclosure with her, which meant telling her everything. And Cookie, she passed out three times. Oh, Blaine. Yeah, just like literally had to be picked up. It was so brutal. And she wanted full disclosure. Like she, right. she didn't want to wonder. So absolutely. But at the same time, you're having to deal with knowing the impact this is having on her. Yeah. So, and you're already in a place of having to cope with it yourself. Yeah. It so was brutal. it's like a double whammy. And what she told me in the end was Blaine, uh, a year later, she said, I love you. I love how hard you are working. You are becoming a different man, but I just have too much pain and hurt and betrayal in my system. I just can't do this. Yeah. And, uh, and you can respect that. Yeah, I did. Uh, I said, well, let's, let's love each other well going forward. Um, we didn't have a, wasn't a hard divorce. Right. We met with our kids. We told them about it. Mm-hmm. Our kids were awesome. Our boys by now were in their late twenties, early thirties. And, uh, and we stayed close. And to this day, Kathy and I are like super close. And Lori, my wife is super close with Kathy. Mm-hmm. We do, we do family things together. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, uh, when the boys are in town, we, we get together and, it's just beautiful. I like, love that. uh, it's as good as it could be given, you know, how hard and all that I put, I put them through. So, you know, uh, I love Kathy and, uh, I'm so proud of her. She is serving in a church in, uh, prior Oklahoma. She runs the place. Uh, there's about three, 400 people in that church and she's like the go-to administrator for everything and I'm just I couldn't be more proud of that's the life really she's awesome yeah. I love that yeah okay so you have to go through a divorce you continue with your recovery process and the Lord brings you a wonderful mm-hmm. new wife mm-hmm. and promotes you to further ministry so now you're at a place moving forward to help people you know the responsibility or the onus lays upon you now to stay in a healthy place. Yeah. So that's the thing is you can, you know, as a former addict and uh, someone who's been broken, you can never take your freedom for granted. Mm -hmm. So you always look back and say, okay, thank you, Jesus, for the freedom I'm living in now. Mm -hmm. But 
I am going to do everything that it takes to maintain it and to keep my house clean. Mm-hmm. So when I guys ask me today, uh, Blaine, is the temptation still there for you? Of, of course it is. Right. But the temptation back in the day was so strong that it would be like a, a bullhorn in my ear every morning. Right. Today it's like a whisper outside the door. Mm-hmm. I can still hear it. It just doesn't bear the weight. Mm-hmm. Now, if I gave into it, if I gave into the whisper and then I gave in again, right. it would soon become, become the, bullhorn, the again. bullhorn again. Absolutely. So I still have to be sober and to be vigilant and to be clothed in the armor of God and remind myself who I am and, uh, and, and, and how, much, uh, how much it cost me in the past. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Proverbs is that, that uh, Proverbs 7, you know, the adulterous man and woman. Right, we always call it the adulterous woman, but I call it the adulterous man and woman because it's the man in the street and the woman calling him, and and she she paints this illusion of you know come my my bed is you know got oils and ointments and 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 you know flowers and you know a tapestry and all this you know and 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 he's allure and he's drawn in and and uh, and it but it, then it goes to the end and it says but. She's like this temptress that shoots an arrow and she's the huntress that kills her prey. And, and the end of his uh, life is, a, uh, or the end of her desire is a coffin. So it all comes to this crushing end of, of death. And so what I have to do today and what I encourage anyone uh, to do when they look at sin is remind yourself where A, it took you or remind yourself where it can take you. So when I when I have temptation in my life today, I think about where did I take my children in the past? What did I do to them? Where did I take Kathy in the past? What did I do to her? I'm never going to do that again. I'm not going to inflict death and destruction on lives again. What did I do to myself? It took me it took me 7 years just to get out of depression. I'm never going to allow myself to be put in that place again. So I think about that. I remind myself where I was. But then there's, there's things that I do practically every day. So I have daily liturgy in my life. A daily liturgy is like something that is routine that spiritually activates a person. So every morning I get up and I say the Lord's Prayer. And I say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And I go through that prayer. And I remind myself that it's his kingdom that is coming. It's his will that's being done. And when I get to that place where it says, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil, I'm reminded that God is my strength in overcoming evil. Thy kingdom. It's just so daily, that's a part of my life. I found out the early church uh, believers in the first, second, third century prayed that prayer three times a day. Mm. And I found out why as I began to pray it. It centered me. It reminded me who I was. So I have liturgy like that. I have incredible boundaries in my life today. So when I travel, uh, if usually Lori travels with me today, but if she doesn't, I either stay with the pastor or if the pastor just can't have me stay with them. If I am in a hotel, I have I, the TV doesn't go on. I get on almost every hour with Lori on my FaceTime and I'm talking to her on FaceTime so she can actually see me. So there's accountability. I keep myself busy the whole time I'm there. So I know I have no downtime. 
I never rent a car, so I'm never mobile. I can't run around and do whatever I want when I travel. There's just all these boundaries that I've put up to, not because I just don't trust myself, but I just want to be safe. And uh, so I just, I'm, I'm, I'm just very aware of where I was in the past and where I want to keep myself from ever going back. And I just live a much healthier life today. <laughs> you know, I just, That's I just, awesome. I, I love people. I, I love Jesus. Uh, I have deep relationships with friends. Um, I have a men's group that I participate in every week. Uh, it's a, it's a, a health group. It's not, you know, we just talk about life and our sexuality and our temptation levels and, and we just uh, lean into each other. We center around scripture and, and uh, so that happens every week. So I just, I, I know that you can drive out of the garage with a really good car in great shape, but if you put 100,000 miles on it without taking care of it, it's going to blow up. Mm-hmm. And so I'm taking care of the car. Are you in a good church? I am. Good. Yeah. Believe it, believe it or not, um, uh, I'm actually back at Church on the Move. Oh, my God, I love and, that. Uh, that is the coolest so thing ever. <laughs> my sin uh, really messed up my relationship with my former pastor, uh, from years ago, Willie George. And, uh, by God's grace, after about seven or eight years, God just beautifully restored that relationship. And his son, who was my, one of my best friends for years, Whitney is actually the pastor there now. Right. And so Whitney and I have, we've just really, uh, reacquainted and become very close um, but I have to be honest, I kind of move around a little bit in Tulsa too, cause I've got so many good friends in this city. Yeah. There's great churches yeah. here. Uh, I mean, I've got, I've probably got eight, at least eight different pastors in, in this city that I am so close with. And so Lori and I will every so often go visit our friends, sure. and just, just support, uh, all the other uh, wonderful churches. But Pastor Witt and Pastor Willie are your pastors. Yeah. That's what you're saying. Yes. I, I value that. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So when you're traveling and ministering, um, you have safeguards in place and Lori is your main accountability aspect for that. But are there other accountability voices in your life as well? Yes, absolutely. Cookie. So, you know, I think, but Lori is the most important. Right. Uh, and you know, when, when Lori and I dated five, six years ago, we've been married five years. So, uh, she didn't know who I was. She wasn't impressed, uh, nor did she know my past, you know, the crazy, the crazy crisis. So, so after about four dates, uh, we were kind of getting along pretty good and I really liked her. She's a hygienist, lived in Muskogee at the time. And, uh, I said, have you Googled me? And, uh, she just looked at me and like, why would I Google you? <laughs> I said, well, you might want to. <laughs> so, <laughs> Before and, we go any further. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> the next date she was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> And tell me what happened, you know? And so, uh-huh. uh, by God's grace, um, I mean, I shared everything with her, told her my whole story and, uh, she just, she just loved me so well. And she, I remember her saying, uh, she said, Blaine, I, you know, I appreciate you being honest about your life, but I, I honestly can't even imagine you being that person. You just don't, you're just not that guy, whoever you were, you're not him. So today, uh, you know, we share the same laptop. I know not every guy can do that, and some, some, but in our case, we can. 
Uh, so, you know, I use it during the day for writing and emails and communication, and she uses it at night for shopping. <laughs> but she's got all As my passwords. she should. Yeah, she's got all my passwords, and or I've got all hers, one of the two. Um, so we share passwords. Uh, there's never deleted anything. Um, so she, she has total access to computers. Same with my phone. Um, she has uh, passwords with my phone. I leave it out all the time. In fact, I'll go, if I'm running to Walmart to get something, I'll leave my phone at home and I'll set it beside her and I'll just say, hey, hon, my phone's there. You're welcome to go through it. And sometimes she doesn't. Most times she doesn't. But there's just that openness. Right. And uh, so we just, we keep that, and that feels safe for me. It feels safe for her. My other accountability, I've got my men's group that I meet with every Thursday night. And we share everything. So any temptation levels we're facing, anything that's going on, if I haven't had a, uh, I haven't had a stumble or a slip up in seven years, and I don't. The only reason I know that is because I have to kind of go. I don't. I, I'm not counting. I'm not one of these guys that oh, I'm, I'm you know it's four thousand three hundred thirty three days. I, I'm not that guy. But I know it's been seven years. Uh, but if I had a slip up, uh, Lori would be the first to know, and so would my Thursday night group. And these guys are all guys that I'm mentoring that are some of them still having slip ups. So they come in clean when they need to, and we're just that's just how we roll, you know. And some of them are a couple of them are pastors, most of them are Christians, uh, some business guys, but. I trust them wholeheartedly. Yeah, yeah. And if, but I'll, I'll come in on a Thursday night with them and say, Hey, I had a wicked temptation this week. Mm-hmm. You know, I was here and this would happen. Crazy thought came back memory of the past. I so wanted to act on it. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll, I will come clean with that temptation right. and say, right. man, I, I gotta be honest. I, I didn't get rid of it right away. I thought about it for probably 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And so there's still, you know, just That's because so healthy. Yeah. And uh, these guys pray for me, support me. I support them. This is a random question. I don't know if it really has bearing, but I think it does. Why does it seem that it is more difficult for men to be transparent about their emotional processes than it does for women? And I know our emotional makeup is different and it, we do lean that way, but but yeah. when men get a hold of the word of God, I, I just always feel like, why wouldn't that be kind of a, yeah. a bend towards a little more transparency? Yeah, it should be. I mean, I love vulnerability today and transparency. And I mean, the James scripture, confess your sins, faults, one to another, one to another. So it's. It's not just one, it's one, and then you can, you know, it's exactly. like this dual, it's an exchange. yeah, one to another, pray one for another that you may be healed. So there's emotional, mental, spiritual healing yeah, that comes in vulnerability and confession that's beautiful and it's liberating. So I wouldn't live with, I, I couldn't live without it today. I have to have confessional relationships uh, in my life. And I would say to a, a guy that, if you can find that trustworthy person in your life, and there's somebody, mm-hmm. if you can find them and begin to lean into that, 
it's life altering. It is life changing to have that kind of relationship. But yeah, I don't know. Men just have this hard exterior and they feel like, you know, they just need to solve their problems and on their own. And it's a sign of weakness if they, you know, have to reach out to somebody. And uh, I actually feel like you are a stronger man if you can be honest. Absolutely. I feel the same way. Blaine, you've mentioned several times um, in through your journey, your process of recovery and restoration of Sabbath and even the men that you mentor and uh, work with now, that's a big part of their recovery process as well. Explain to us the importance of Sabbath. Yeah, you know, I didn't understand Sabbath, Cookie. I, I almost always thought Sabbath was going to church. Mm. And as a minister, that's work. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it was just like you're you're there early, you're there late, and then you're thinking the rest of the day who didn't show up. Mm-hmm. It's just stressful. So Sabbath <laughs> really never blessed me uh, <laughs> because I thought it was church. And what I what I came to find out was Jesus kind of turned Sabbath a little bit when he showed up. Uh, he was criticized because his uh, disciples were, you know, picking weed on the Sabbath and he was healing on the Sabbath like he was doing physical tasks. And there was no, supposed to be no physicality happening on, on Sabbath, according to Jewish law. And he was like, listen, guys, let me tell you something. The Sabbath was not made for God. The Sabbath was made for man. And so when he said it's a day of rest for us. It is a day of not just like physical rest, but spirit rest and reimagination and redefining why we work and why we live. It's a day for for God to to refill us with vision and hope and dreams and and it's and it's a day that He just wants to pour into us. And it's a it's a day that is a gift where He says, "What do you want to do with this day?" Do you want to go hiking? Do you want to do you want to go water ski? Do you, you know? Uh, do you, do you want to just spend time with your wife? Do you want to do something with your kids? Do you want to read a book? Do you want to listen to music? Do you want to meditate? Do you want to have a nap? Like it's our day, and I'm a big advocate of making church a part of our our Sabbath. I love to go to church. I love making that a part of my Sabbath. But for a pastor, uh, Sabbath may need to happen like on a Monday or on a Saturday, whatever day, but on a day that is completely set aside for God to just breathe back into you so that day one of your week feels strong, feels good, you feel ready. And I'm, I'm convinced that we need to practice Sabbath on, on three levels, daily, weekly, and annually. So I have a daily Sabbath where at least 30 minutes a day I get alone and it is usually in the morning and I just exhale and uh, I, I might be reading, I might be listening to music, I might be meditating, I might, it's just, there's no set plan, it is just, okay, I'm just going to enjoy this moment. And then uh, weekly, of course, is, is a day and then uh, I, I'm really convinced that we need to, every six months, have a uh, a Sabbath, either week or extended weekend, where we, you know, four or five days, we just get away. And we just, you know, we don't make a bunch of plans. And I don't care if you go to, 
you know, a, a city 90 miles away and you get in a hotel and just, you know, hang out in that city for a while. It doesn't have to be expensive, but you just get away from everything and allow yourself to be replenished. So Sabbath is for all the re's. <laughs> Reimagination, replenishing, recreation, just redoing and reviving our soul. So that, you know, when you think about uh, Solomon, Solomon, uh, you know, he he was kind of an addict. He was kind of crazy. When you read Ecclesiastes, he was like, you know, I I did not say no to anything my eyes desired. Mm-hmm. He did it all, whatever he wanted. He said, I denied myself nothing. And then he went on to say why. He said, because of my labor, because of all that I accomplished, I denied myself nothing. And so there's this mix of I've been working, 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 working so hard. I've done so much. I'm entitled to a little bit of pleasure here. I can do whatever I want. And entitlement is one of the most powerful things in the human soul when it comes to addiction and when it comes to moving into uh, the illicit. See, if we can keep, and and Sabbath basically is an entitlement killer. And an entitlement mentality is a stronghold. Yes, it is. You know, we just, I can't tell you how many times, you know, in my crazy workaday world, I just felt like I deserve a break. I deserve a break and ministry isn't giving it to me. And when I get home, you know, from traveling, man, it's just going to be crazy. I got a ton of stuff to do and that's not going to give it to me. So I deserve a break. And we all find our breaks, you know, for, for me, the red button was porn, but for somebody else, it might be alcohol, might be a drug, might be gambling, could be any number of things. Yeah. So we have to (laughs) food. Yeah. It, whatever it is, we, we have to, we have to stop the entitlement and wait, uh, I have to mop the blood off the floor where you just stepped all over my toes. You know, because I feel like so many, especially ministers out there, um, they don't know how to draw those boundaries. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to draw those for themselves. Um, because we have such a heart to serve people, so many of us are deceiving ourselves by just keeping your hand to the plow 24-7 yeah. because you have such a sense of, I can't let these people down. Yeah. But by not taking care of yourself, you are. Yeah. You're positioning yourself for a breakdown, hence their yeah. letdown. Every pastor needs to stand up in front of their congregation and say, listen, I love you so much that I am. I just want to make sure all of you are Sabbathing well. And when you're having your Sabbath day, uh, I, 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 I'm not going to mess with you. And I'm going to ask you when I have my Sabbath day and our Sabbath day, you don't mess with me. So our Sabbath day is whatever, Monday. And so I'm going to ask if you have our our cell phone or just let's, we don't want to be contacted that day. We want to be able to just relax. So if you have a crisis, hold off on your crisis till the next day. Unless somebody dies, like if somebody dies, I'll be there for you. But if you're just a little bit sick and you need prayer, 
they can wait till Tuesday. You know, we'll, we'll be there Tuesday, but we, we just, we do have to have some boundaries or, you know, we just will never quit because ministry cookie, according to uh, Forbes magazine, they put uh, pastoring in the top three of the most difficult occupations in the world. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Like being a university president was one of the one of the top, but pastoring was in the top three, and you can see why. You have to be a communicator. You have to be incredibly personal. You have to be a counselor. You have to uh, understand presentation. You have to know how to raise money. You have to know how to maintain a building. You have to be accessible twenty four seven. Yeah, there's just like it's nonstop the requirements. And uh, the demands that are put upon a pastor. And it's no wonder. I mean, we see it in the news. I don't know how many pastors I've seen that have taken their lives in the last year. Yeah, we were just talking about that. Unbelievable. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. And there's also the element of um, some sense of how much workload you carry as a leader because so much of your staff are volunteer. Mm-hmm. And so then because you have this mentality of not taking advantage of your volunteers, then you tend to carry more than you need to carry as a leader as well. Yeah. And so there's a kind of a deceptive thing that lays there as well. Absolutely. That's unhealthy. Yeah. Just, you know, pastor, if you're listening, <laughs> do not buy into the idea that you have to do everything. That's right. And just because this church down the road's doing this doesn't mean you need to do mm-hmm. it. Just because this group over here has a, you know, so-and-so, I'm not even going to name it, but such-and-such such ministry doesn't mean you have to have the ministry. Just because someone in your church comes and says, hey, we need to start this doesn't mean you need to start it. Run at the pace that you can run at and don't run too fast, too hard, where you're sprinting and all of a sudden you have a spiritual heart attack and you're at the side of the road, run for the long-term finish, not the short term. That's right. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Thank you, Blaine. You know, one thing I want to say yeah. is uh, I just have a, a deep love and respect for you and for your mom Thank you. and your dad Thank you. and this entire organization. Uh, I spoke at an FCF conference year a year before my crisis, mm-hmm. and it was just one of the most beautiful events I'd ever been a part of. I just felt so loved and so embraced. In fact, I was actually going to be coming back to another one, and then my crisis happened, mm-hmm. and obviously I didn't. But uh, when we went through that first year, uh, we were out of a job, messed up, House went into foreclosure, went through all of our savings, uh, and your mom and this organization reached out to us without being asked and helped us financially. Praise God. And I'll, I will never forget that. I'm so honored and, uh, to be a part of that and process. And I just, I just want you to know 10 years later, I haven't forgot that. I really love you guys and uh you were you were Jesus to Amen. me in that moment because yeah. 
there, there was no reason for you to help me. There was, uh, there was no benefit in you helping this broken soul uh, back then, but you did, and I thank you. Oh, well, I know I can speak on behalf of my mom and say, it's who we are supposed to be. Yes. This is called the body of Christ. Yes. We're supposed to be rushing. Doesn't the blood rush to mm. the part of the body that's wounded to bring health yes. and healing? Oh, I mean, good. isn't that what we're supposed to do? Yes. We're all supposed to rush to healing. Yeah. And um, so I'm honored that that's what my mom yeah. did and that we were a part of this organization at the time. So that's just being body. Yes. Well, thank you. Yeah. Amen. You have been listening to the FCF Leadership Podcast, where our focus is to help you achieve your destiny as a leader. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, visit our website at fcf.org.